What's up, guys? This is Johnny D. Wynn, and welcome to another episode of the VitQ podcast. Um, today, my guest is Julie Wynn. She is a artist manager from Jet Management. So, Julie, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So, first and foremost, I wanted to um, ask, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in a small town in East Texas called Longview. Uh, for reference, it's a small town about two hours away from Dallas. So that was probably the closest major city. And I lived there for the first 17 years of my life where I was born and raised. And then we moved to California about 11 or so years ago. So since you said there was, it was a small town, were, were, were there any other Vietnamese uh, Americans living in your city? There weren't a lot of Asian people in my town, let alone Vietnamese people. You know, growing up, I felt like the only Vietnamese community around me was my relatives. So my aunts and uncles, they lived there as well as my cousins. Um, and they opened some of the first nail salons in the town. And so when my aunts and uncles opened one, more and more of my family started moving over, including my parents. And they also opened up nail salons as well in the community. So a lot of my Vietnamese culture growing up was only within the privacy of our home and not so much outside of that because my friends and school, everyone else was primarily like white, black, uh, Latino, but not Asian at all. So it was an interesting what kind of music, place. What kind of music were you listening to back then when you were um, back in high school? In high school, I listened to just pop. I also loved indie rock as well. And I started listening to a little bit of electronic during high school. And then actually, when I moved to California, I started listening to country music because it was my way of missing Texas, I guess, and digging back into my southern roots in a way. So I kind of explored a lot of different types of music. So I'm guessing, did you go to school out here in California? I went to school to in college. Uh, yeah. So I did senior year of high school here in California. I moved actually to Monterey Park. So it was a very Asian area, which was a drastic difference between, you know, where I came from before. Definitely still not as much Vietnamese people in that area, but more Asian. And then in college, I went to Cal State Long Beach. Got it. And let's talk about um, your, your formal education. So did you choose to, um, was it a, a, a music business background or t- tell us a little bit more about that? So growing up, I always thought I was going to be a doctor, you know, very stereotypical Asian family pressures to become a doctor. And a lot of my cousins are doctors as well. So my, my parents expected me to follow down that path. So I started college as a biology major and I realized quickly it wasn't for me. I wasn't you know passionate about it. I wasn't that great at it. So I changed my major a couple of times eventually ended up in business marketing and I wanted to find a way to turn my, you know, love for music and going to concerts into a job. So I knew it wasn't going to be a musician because I don't play instruments and that's not my thing, but I wanted to explore the business side of music. So I started finding internships during college. I did about five different internships through college and music. So I did music publishing. I interned at Live Nation. I interned at Hasbro Toy Company in their music department. Um, I also interned at a talent booking agency and then uh, artist management. And so you said you um, you fell in love with music because of uh, uh, you, you went to concerts um, often. What, what was it about that... Let's maybe take you take us through maybe the first couple of concerts you went to and what continue to drive you back, um, keep coming back to them. Yeah, growing up, well, so in my small town in Longview, we didn't have a lot of shows or anyone come through town. So I didn't really start going to concerts till I moved to California. And some of my first concerts that I loved going to were bands. So a lot of small indie bands, Echo Smith, American Authors. Imagine Dragons, I was a big fan of at the time. I saw them a couple of times. Uh, I would always, you know, be the first person in line at like 3 p.m. with my friends and we'd spend the entire day just waiting in line to get the very front spot at the shows. And it was just always the best experience and the best memories. And that's just where I felt the happiest. So that's why I wanted to pursue that as a career because I just, I knew whatever I wanted to follow down as my career path, I want to make sure it's something I'm happy and love doing. 
most people oftentimes when they I hear about music, music industry, they want to be an artist nowadays, or they want to be a creator and so forth. Um, what, what was it that you, you felt that being a, um, or the career path of being an artist manager was a fit for you? I loved artist management the most out of all my internships, I would say, because it allowed me to be my most creative. And the fact that artist managers are just so involved in every single part of an artist's business and, you know, you're constantly in direct communication with them and working with them to build whatever they want to do from the ground up. It was super interesting to me. I was able to use my Photoshop and graphic design skills, but I was also able to tap into just like ideating marketing rollout plans for upcoming singles and shows and find unique and interesting ways to market the artists. And I get to work with creative directors and hire photographers, but we also do other things that I just never, you know, have thought about as being part of what it takes to work with an artist and help them. So I think it was, it comes down to the creativity for sure. So let's talk about how you landed a job at Jet Management. Um, seems like Jet Management actually has quite a bit of an expansive roster. Um, so take us through your journey um, from the start of Jet Management. Yeah, my last internship in college was at C3 Management, actually. And so that's where I was eventually hired as an assistant and then eventually became a digital marketing manager. So I was running ads on Facebook and Instagram, also social media marketing plans and all this other sort of stuff. And so that's where I met my current bosses, John Scholz and Tyler Goldberg. And in 2020, they decided to start jet management. So the three, the three of us plus another colleague of ours, so a team of four people started jet management. It was a very small team at first. We brought over our current roster that we had from C3. And then we've grown the team and the roster to about, you know, 11 team members now. And over 20 artists across everyone on the team. So it's been, it's been awesome. Uh, take us through just, just so um, I'm, I'm aware, what would you describe the day in a life of being an artist manager? What do you do every day? Oh, I mean, it depends on the day that you ask me because it changes every single day. It's, it's literally a just whirlwind of things. So, I mean, one part of the business is the music side. So, you know, you're doing A&R and you're going back and forth with the artist to, you know, fine tune the next single, the next album and finding, you know, collaborators that they can work with on the songwriting side, the production side and featured artists on the track list. And so that's one part of the business. And then you have the touring side. So we're working with the agents and promoters to, you know, build out a touring plan that works the best for this artist so that they're getting the right markets and selling out their shows, coming up with marketing activations and ticket giveaways or whatever is needed to, you know, make sure everything sells out. Another part of the business would be merch coming, you know, working with creative directors and designers to build out designs and then working with manufacturers to produce the designs and drop them and make sure those are also, you know, selling well. And then producing merch for tours also is another part. Um, and I would say, you know, there's the logistical stuff, the day-to-day -day admin things such as visa applications. We work, you know, we work with a lot of international artists, so we have to either secure brand new visas or get them renewed every couple of years. And that's a long process in, it, in itself. And also, you know, hiring creatives, photographers, videographers for music videos and for shows. It's literally, I could go on all day about what we do as managers. It's what do we not do? <laughs> it's what I 100% I, I agree with that. So like any to, speaking to anybody who is ever curious about wanting to pursue this as a career, what are some key skills or at least some mindsets that you would set um, in order to be a successful um, artist manager, whether managing an artist on your own or um, joining a management firm? Yeah, that's a good question. I think adaptability is a great skill to have, obviously, just because you're, you're setting yourself up to just, you know, be able to dive into anything possible happening that day. Um, there's just so many new challenges and problems that come up. And so being adaptable within how you work and who you're able to work with, 
and just being a good problem solver, like are two really great skills to have. I would also say, you know, communication is, is key. You know, you're in constant communication with not only the artists, but record labels, you know, curators at different DSPs like Spotify and Apple, building relationships with them, also building relationships with different brands and the agents that you work with, the promoters that you work with. Like it's a big industry, but it's also a small industry. So you're finding yourself crossing paths with people all the time that you might have worked with five years ago or that you work with on a weekly basis across all the different artists that you work with. So being a strong communicator and making sure everyone is in the loop and is aware of the plan is very important to make sure that things don't slip through the cracks. Now, flipping gears to the um, an aspiring artist who is looking for an artist manager or a management firm to represent them, um, what are some key things you look for in uh in a presentation or maybe in a pitch from an artist um, that will sway your decision in, in representing them? The main obvious one to look at is always going to be, you know, the numbers, the stats, you know, how well are they streaming? How many followers do they have on platforms? But I mean, outside of the, you know, that stuff, I would say uh, I would look at how strong of a brand identity they have because Working with an artist who knows what their creative vision is and what they like and what they don't like is very important in order to keep things moving along. And, you know, you can't help someone build their brand and their vision if they don't know what it is themselves. And so I feel like that's a key thing to look at that some people might overlook when, you know, you're signing a new artist or even if you're a new artist looking to be signed by a management team. So coming to the manager with, you know, this is my proposed plan for the next couple of singles I want to roll out and how I want these to look creatively and, you know, just having a vision in mind and feeling like you've done enough preparation yourself to get to this current point that you're at and asking the manager, how can you take me to the next level and the next steps? You know, I, I would say oftentimes, and I, I get this a lot, um, uh, signing sometimes with a, a manager, there's a lot of um, uh, expectations from an artist and, they feel, especially for young emerging artists, they feel uh, a manager does is responsible for is, is a key res um, indicator. I mean, not indicator, a key um, party to help them succeed. Right. Um, my question here is, um, like, when, at what, at what stage um, is, at what stage does an artist is is at what stage in their career are they ready to uh, have a firm or um, or bring on a manager? Is it in, in the early stages or like more a, a little bit later? An interesting question. I feel like, I mean, it depends on the artist and the manager. You know, some managers are willing to work with an artist who is brand new and help build them from the ground up. But, you know, that's a two to three year or five year investment of time before this manager starts to see the, you know, recruitment come back, I would say. So it depends on how comfortable that management management team or manager is with that situation. Also, I mean, taking on artists who have already established some sort of groundwork themselves, I feel like is always a great place to start because again, like that artist has built up their core value and branding themselves. They have a vision in mind and now the manager's job is to help them grow it. You know, whereas if you're starting from scratch, you're both kind of building up this vision, but the artist and the manager's visions may not align. And so it's hard to get on the same page when, you know, you're waiting on the artist to kind of figure out what they want and what they see for their career. So I feel like it's a partnership between the artist and the manager, but it's reliant on the artist, you know, and how confident they are in their ability to, you know, put out the type of music that they want to put out and stick with that path forward. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the genre. Uh, I believe the the genre of music that you guys focus on um, on at Jet Management. It seems from uh, you, uh, maybe you can expand on this. It seems like there's a lot of a uh, uh, dance um, or electronic um, artists, uh, DJ producers that you guys represent is, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. We do primarily have a lot of dance and electronic artists, you know, ranging from different sub genres of electronic, including house and tech house, 
um, and melodic music, trap as well. But we also have a couple of singer songwriters and bands on the roster. But the bread and butter of Jet is definitely dance and electronic. I feel like when we started at C3, you know, we had a roster of four to five artists and they were all electronic artists at the time. And since then, it's definitely grown you know exponentially more with the number of artists but also more genres across both electronic music and other genres outside of that i I would definitely say electronic music is is a definitely a global genre um it's uh it crosses many borders i think uh from from at least from what i gathered um there's just there's so many uh great it's just expansive and i i find the electronic industry very uh um, very attractive and, and interesting. Yeah, I agree. Working working with electronic music is definitely super fun for me. You know, I loved going to festivals during college and like now being behind the scenes and seeing, you know, the fans' reactions to the music and just walking into the festival for the first time and experiencing that is is really awesome to see. And just knowing that you're part of helping make that happen is is super rewarding. Then to um, next question I have for you is actually related to um, the international uh, market. So do you, since you do, you get your, your talent does, um, you, you guys do represent talent. Do you, wait, I'm sorry, do you guys represent talent from the international side or do you work internationally to bring them to other markets? We work with, American and international artists, but a lot of the international artists would be, you know, European. So primarily France is a lot, uh, where a couple of our artists are from. And then otherwise, you know, they're from the States or wherever it is. So definitely more American and European focused artists. And for the European artists, I would say we're representing them globally for the most part. You know, we're helping expand them and their audiences within the States and also across the globe as well. Um, have have you ever had the opportunity or explored the opportunity of um, the electronic space in Vietnam um, or had any inquiries from Vietnam? I haven't actually. No, I mean, yeah, I listened to Vietnamese music growing up just because my parents were listening to it. I personally did not seek out to listen to Vietnamese music outside of the home, but they only listened to, you know, gaiwe and pop music, mm-hmm. but not not electronic music so that's very new for me to explore and in fact my parents don't really understand like my job and what kind of music i work in so i'd be interested to know what type of vietnamese electronic music there is out there well i mean just in the region um so in the territory they call it the uh, apec uh, asian pacific um Asian, uh, APEC, Asian Pacific, uh, I don't know what the, I forgot what the AC stands for, but uh, in the APEC region, which represents like 10 countries, Indonesia, Vietnam, Thailand, Philippines, and so forth, electronic music has grown like massive, massively. It's a, uh, um, Insomniac is, has made an imprint out there um, in, in the region as well as Ultra. And uh, mm-hmm. I would say there's a lot of, uh, some markets are more developed than others. I would say Thailand is a very, exciting market um, that is, um, I would say all the big, uh, uh, the big imprints are, are heading that way. So um, electronic music uh, and the music festival culture is definitely um, growing, um, growing a lot. I, this year, their um, EDC China is coming back. And uh, that's, yeah, that's gonna be quite, um, it's been quite a journey for EDC. I think this will be the third, um, third edition out there. Um, it, it because pop music is still the the primary driver and the china market sure. itself is is for those who are not in the music industry if you've you when you think about china as a as a as a market um you don't group it up with the rest of the international space because it's a if you can make it in china you don't really need to leave um you don't really need to leave it there so and most of the, most of the music is in language um to the different um uh, languages out there. So, uh, but as, as I speak to Vietnamese, um, there's the, the, the larger, um, genres are gaining popularity in Vietnam. Uh, I'll say house in particular, uh, and, and future base, but there yeah. is, um, a, a very interesting subgenre that I want to share with you that it's unique to just the Vietnam market and it's called Vina house. So 
Vina House is a mix between it's a the best way to describe it is the it's a the BPM is a little bit more like a heartbeat and it like it it, it incorporates a um uh, the the vocals or melody from maybe like a a traditional sounding um, uh, chorus from a song, mm-hmm. um, and then they'll uh, right when the uh, the beat drops, it'll keep at a steady pace to kind of keep with the adrenaline of um, <clears throat> of it. So the Vena part is the Vietnamese side of it, and then the house is the um, the subgenre that is in it's. So the, cool. the that, that particular genre is what you would hear primarily when you go to um, uh, they call beer gardens or the, um, the 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 local pubs in um, in Vietnam, and it um, there were two notable records that gained international attention um, through TikTok. Of course, TikTok is really huge in in, in the region. Um, one was a song. Um, it's titled uh, I think Mok Mui Phuc Hun or something. It's one of the, it's a couple of minutes more or something like that, right? But it's, um, <laughs> it, it through, um, but the record gained, um, gained popularity because of a dance movement and, and an anime dance movement that they had as a visualizer. And then um, it, it, be, it was so easily danceable. That's why I think a lot of people resonated with it. But a international um, hip hop artist, Taiga, ended up jumping on that remix because he, wow. he felt, yeah, because, uh, they, and they saw Taiga because he is of Vietnamese heritage as well. He's a quarter um, Vietnamese. Oh, so, I didn't know um, that. I thought, yeah, yeah. So um, he jumped <laughs> on the remake and it did exceptionally um, exceptionally well. So that was kind of number one. Another another song that is not traditional Vina House, but got extremely popular is a pop record that had a Vina House remix. Um, it's with a very, very popular pop artist. Um, goes by the name of Huang Thuy Linh. And her song got popular because of the, in the chorus section, it was more, she was using um, uh, percussion words to kind of describe um, the, the, uh, the, to, to, for the chorus, not, not to describe anything, but it was just like, it, it, it's not a language. It was just like, she, like, for example, the words was like, ding, ding, tang, ding, you know, like she just, it, it, and, and for yeah. some reason that, that paired up with, very um people's um dance covers of it just hit the region as well as even in uh in america hit it really hard so um i think it's got billions of um of of views through all of the um the tiktok views so that kind of put um that uh, that somewhat kind of put vina house on a global scale and then when people think when people most foreigners when they come to vietnam you go to the clubs uh it's it's blasting everywhere Wow. Okay. Well, I definitely will be looking that up after this because I'm super interested to hear what that sounds like. And as for the rave or music festival culture, um, there uh, there are notable, um, and I think one of the first to ever uh, do something significant uh, um, in the country of Vietnam was um, uh, Alan Walker from, um, and he yeah. he brought he brought two things to Vietnam that was really cool. One was uh, uh, his um, he he did a, a show in the heart of Hanoi and where I think they shut down the streets for for him and he kind of highlighted um, the the city landscape and so forth and the second in one of his big music videos he um, he collaborated with um, the government to showcase the largest cave um, that was found in um, here on right now here on earth and uh, he shot one of wow. his music videos in there. And it brought so much, and it was really cleverly done. It was kind of like a um, Indiana Jones, like meeting, finding a um, finding a, something that, uh, like, not a treasure, but like um, going into this crazy escapade, and 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 he lands into this um, uh, this landscape, and it just, I, I think it just brought a lot of people's attention to Vietnam as well as to the caves themselves. So. Um, yeah. And and then from there, the there were several different um, uh, music festivals that that uh, are are now. I think one of them is now on their ninth edition, uh, ninth annual, um, with a break in between with COVID. So the um, I would say the electronic music or um, is growing, but it still has a lot of um, 
of uh, work to do in comparison to some of the other the other markets. Um, notably, most people in Vietnam, um, when they go to uh, festivals or when they attend a international um, a show from an international DJ or producer, they're not ticketed shows. Um, let me expand on that. Mm. They're primarily brand. Um, it's usually a branded um, a free show that uh, a mm -hmm. large brand such as a telecom company or a automotive company or a beverage company, um, primarily beers, they'll do a full um, marketing campaign with that artist. Chain Smokers was there recently. Um, Alan, um, uh, 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 Armin Van Buren, um, and just any any notable international DJs. They will just pay for them to come and do a massive um, show in the middle of one of the metropolitan cities, um, and and that way they can just market their their product. So it's not for wow. for any kind of um, uh, yeah. So it's Profit. been kind of a difficult challenge for festival um, organizers to continue to compete against that because they're having yeah. to um, uh, have, you know, they're, they're trying to change the culture of the, the festival being its own identity and its own, its, its own culture and so forth. But, um, uh, you know, when you're competing against a, a branded uh, free show, it's, it's always an ongoing, uh, ongoing thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know all that. So, That's super interesting. Yeah, so the, the, there's so what's what's happening right now is there's definitely a lot of um, uh, local DJs that are um, taking their talents and also trying to get onto the other music festival circuits so that they could um, gain some notoriety. So it's not always just international DJs coming into Vietnam; it's also the other way around. Uh, mm -hmm. So the the space is growing at a really um, rapid pace and. To, to end on that note, there it's probably also the most common remixes as well when it comes to pop artists uh, to work with uh, somebody that um, uh, somebody notable or that can do dance um, remixes ex exceptionally well. So um, it's definitely influenced the region, but it's uh, still maturing as we um, as we speak. Yeah, I feel that is the case for electronic music across multiple international companies. You know, it's definitely a genre that still needs to you know, a lot of growth within those spaces, but in America, it's, you know, huge genre and community itself, but it's just outside of that internationally, I feel like there's so many undiscovered lanes and things and electronic music that people just haven't found yet. So it's cool and to see that like in Vietnam, they're providing these free shows to people to kind of make that more visible. And I, I would love to see that grow more. Now, uh, I also want to ask you about, um, uh, when it comes to, I know you mentioned Paris by night earlier, but um, in terms of the localized, the local music of Vietnamese pop music in, from Vietnam, um, are, are you exposed or aware of any that you can name or, or not really? When I was little, yes. I, I don't know any of the current people now, but you know, like I grew up listening to Tristy Trang and Linda Chang Dai and um, other Vietnamese pop uh, artists just through Paris by Night and Asia and all of the different, you know, concert series that my parents bought every single DVD of when they were released. So nice I would just, so, I, if I hear the songs now, I, I can definitely recognize them. So I um, primarily, so to kind of um, uh, sh define it further. So those are more um, Vietnamese American uh, uh, uh Vietnamese American names that you mentioned, but not so much from mm -hmm. the Vietnamese artists from the country of Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely the more Americanized one. I think that's just because I was born in America. So I gravitated towards the, you know, Vietnamese American pop leaning artists, I would say as a mm -hmm. kid. I also heard my parents listening to stuff like Kai Lung and and things mm -hmm. that are probably more native to Vietnam itself, but I'm just not as familiar with the the names or the songs. Got it. What about um? I would say, what what about um Vietnamese American art um artists that do uh more uh, Western uh, Western style music or do uh music in English? Are you familiar with any Vietnamese American um artists in in those particular categories? 
I'm familiar by name. I, I, it's not something I listen to generally, but I believe Keshi is a Vietnamese American artist, right? Yeah, he's a from lot Texas. Of, you know, my... He what? He's from Texas. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't know that either. Yeah, my cousins uh, in Texas actually really like him. So that's kind of the reason why I started, you know, kind of exploring a little bit more of his music from time to time. And he's probably one of the few Vietnamese American artists though, that I would know of. And I guess Janae Aiko, I believe, is part Vietnamese, possibly. Japanese. I might... She's Japanese. Japanese. Okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, so definitely don't listen to it as much. <laughs> But um, just a quick uh, note on Keshi. So he is arguably probably uh, uh, the largest Vietnamese American um, artist in the international space at the moment, because um, from from a brand perspective, from a catalog perspective, uh, from an awareness perspective, markets like Korea, Japan, which are, are I mean, they are those two markets are extremely um, important to uh, international artists they're all aware of his music um his name is even um spanned china the greater china as well um vietnam he is well known he even though he's never stepped foot in the country as the artist keshi he stepped foot as um the vietnamese american uh, when he w went to go visit his family but never as keshi the artist so it's uh, uh what he's done is he's definitely somebody to continue to follow um as he's kind of he's crafted a lane of his own um and just by uh, making a relatable um and just amazing music and i think he's uh somebody who i oftentimes cover here at vq uh, vq media and and actually is the premise of why i started vq media to begin with which is to cover um artists similar to keshi and um mm -hmm. since then i've i was able through my journey over the past three years was able to identify um Vietnamese musicians from 18 countries um, with uh, my number right now is closer to 900 artists that I've discovered over the um, over the course of three years. Wow. Yeah, definitely going to keep him on my list to watch for. But that's awesome to see that he's kind of paving the way for some Vietnamese American artists in that world. And actually, um, one of our artists collaborated with him on some music, Madion. So they worked oh, together um, a couple of times. Yeah. Which artist again? I'm sorry. Madion. Yeah. Marion, okay. Um, yeah. So, so with that being said, um, what do you? I want to ask you a question about like just. I I know you don't you, at your um your management company. You guys don't really kind of focus in on cultural identity and and so forth. Music is is genre based and it's just good music. But to uh, an aspiring um, uh, DJ producer or an artist that of, of Vietnamese. Um, uh, uh, heritage. What was what would be some advice that you can give them to 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 get the attention or to succeed as a um, as an artist in the music industry? So I guess two part question because there's the Vietnamese aspect. I would say mm -hmm. definitely if you tap into that part of your cultural identity um, as being you know a, not a spokesperson per se, but like a, a a role model you know for other vietnamese yeah. american kids and stuff and just seeing someone who looks like them becoming an artist and doing something that's like not super common especially in our culture i would say you know like i said growing up i was pressured to be a doctor i was never pressured to be an artist or anything and that just wasn't anything i saw growing up so I would definitely lean into that if it's something that, you know, you're comfortable and familiar with, of course, and, and, and leaning into that world. But just in general, you know, as an artist who wants to grow in the space, I would just say, you know, work really hard and be super collaborative, you know, reach out to mm -hmm. artists that you want to work with and artists who are on the same level as you and just work together because you never know what kind of ideas are going to come out of these different sessions and what kind of music you could create, you know, what kind of skills you can build and, and building a community around you is, is super crucial to like, just keeping you motivated to keep going because working in music is, is, you know, interesting to say the least, especially from the artist perspective, because you're going to get, you know, some no's along the way and you're just going to have to keep pushing yourself to keep going because it's such a saturated space as an artist and you just have to find a way to 
how to be different from everyone else. I can't agree more. Um, I think interesting is a very nice way of putting it. <laughs> I, um, I would like to add <laughs> yeah. to that is you got to be resilient and believe and, and, yeah. and, and believe in yourself because um, it totally, especially in this in, in in this current economy, in this in the current music industry, there's so many. The ability to get your music out um, and with the technology that's available is um, is is much easier than it was back in the early '90s. Just the the yeah the Back in the day, you had to print physical copies of CDs and and get that in front, into the stores. Now you literally have DistroKid. You can put your music out there and and At get some get some people who can vibe with your music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you so don't even a need a label a or a distributor anymore. You can just upload it yourself on any independent platform and just go. You know. <laughs> and I I also want to just touch on that. Um, I'm I'm a firm believer also in uh you some people think signing to a label is very um, necessary for the growth but i'm of the um, ideology of no labels necessary um, for um, uh, maybe even for uh, the duration of your career i don't think it's um, there there is definitely advantages and disadvantages of being part of the label but i think o um, owning everything of your catalog is and knowing how to deal ev with every aspect of your brand and identity is extremely um important so what are your what's your opinion and thoughts on um uh, when it comes to an artist saying i need a label in order to succeed i don't think you need a label i think having a label has its pros and cons for sure you know having a label is it means having a bigger team to support you in all of your efforts so if it's just the artists themselves or an artist plus a manager you know you're having to check off all the different boxes and you might miss a couple things here and there, but when you have the support of the label, they're helping you figure out what things you still need to do before a song comes out and, and post-release as well. So it's, it's nice having that support system and another, you know, backboard to bounce ideas off of and help you execute on stuff that the artist wants to achieve, whether that's a release party or, you know, a listening session with fans or whatever it is like, I, I love that aspect of working with a label, but I, I also agree with you. I don't think it's necessary to succeed with a label. You know, you're fully capable of doing this on your own as an independent artist. You know, there's so many tools on the internet where you can upload a song and figure out how to run an ad yourself or, you know, just all the little yeah. dotting your I's and, you know, crossing your T's. It's just like these tools are available to everyone so it's just a matter of how hard do you want to work to make that happen and how important is it to you that you keep 100 percent of your master in exchange for having to do all of the work you know that goes alongside that so it's you know the harder you work the the better the results are going to be in the end and i feel like you can achieve that independently and you can also achieve that with the label i think it's necessary for an artist especially in their journey to learn every aspect of the career, I mean, of, of, of the music industry. And um, it comes, I think I also wanted the myth that um, organic um, listeners, um, you put your music out and you're gonna have a ton of organic listeners um, that, that come find you. Everything is very algorithm driven. <laughs> Everything yeah. is, uh, yeah. uh, you. there's just so much. And, and the reality of that is there's just so much music out there, guys, that, uh, that it's just, it's almost impossible for you to just not, um, for for you to gain market awareness without a support of like um, of a team that knows how to navigate through it, you gotta get your you gotta there's 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 community building you gotta do. There's just so much um, uh, so much work. So I think it's very important that you learn the business instead of just hey I created the music and you put no effort zero effort into uh, the music promotion. <laughs> Which oftentimes, yeah. that, but that, no, there's that, so much work to do. <laughs> but I want to speak to that because it's so true. It's like a lot of times I, because I, I, I mentioned earlier that in, in the course of three years, I've discovered and spoken to almost close to 800 different artists of the, um, from, from with the Vietnamese background. And some of the most common thing, what, what has happened since then is of the 900, the failure rate of them is extremely, extremely high. They, um, I don't talk about them often again, because they've done one, two or three songs and they're done. They're done because, um, yeah. they weren't, you know, they, they, they thought putting it out on 
digital kid was just enough. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and they got a hundred streams and, you know, it, 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 it affected them. So it just, what, it, what, what I found more was it was more of a, a hobby than it was, um, a true passion. So that's why I, yeah. I, I was very intentional in saying the word resilient because, um, For sure. the ones that, the ones that do make it are resilient. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky to work with artists who are very hardworking people in general. And so that's just them themselves working on their own and building their careers. Like it's just so you can see the difference in those types of artists versus the ones who are just, you know, kind of half, you know, putting in efforts and, and not really marketing the music and not posting on social media and not, you know, running ads and like doing whatever they need to do to make their music you know, more widespread and, and build an audience with that. Now, kind of going back to what you said earlier about representation from the artist side, I, I want to say that also applies to the industry professional side. There's not, you know, I'm slowly starting to find more Vietnamese Americans or Vietnamese in the um, uh, working behind the scenes um, in various different sectors. But um, even down to artist managers is actually that number is a lot smaller. So um, I would say finding and having this conversation with you is uh, you're definitely one of the rare, um, uh, probably just a handful of artist managers of um, that are Vietnamese. So that that's why yeah. it's important for me to have um, your insight and conversation. So um, is in your um, in, in in your environment are there um, is there any other Vietnamese that you come across? Are you are usually uh, the the one and only Vietnamese uh, in, your, um, in your circle. I would not. I I can't claim I'm the one and only, but I'm definitely one of the few that I know of. Actually, thinking about my you know music industry community right now, like I know of other Asian managers, other Asian music industry professionals, and I'm trying to even pinpoint further to remember if any of them are specifically Vietnamese. Just a very small handful of them. So yeah, it's definitely a very small represented circle of this industry. And I'd, I'd love to expand on that and see that grow even just like, yeah, it, it'd be, it'd be great to have that community and build that network of people with me. And, you know, the connections that I have made who are Asian and Vietnamese in this industry, like, I feel like we have a strong sense of camaraderie with each other because you just kind of identify culturally with each other and you know what the struggle is when it's, you're the one person in the room who looks like you. <laughs> well, I, I can say with confidence, you are the one um, that is in the this particular category, um, in, in this music genre. <laughs> there's uh, there's another one in Germany. Um, it's kind of manager slash producer, um, but mm -hmm. in terms of working at a management firm and um, and focusing on dance music specifically. You are you're you're the you're the lone you're the lone wolf in uh, at least here. <laughs> Hopefully that, not that for long. <laughs> but there there are in pop music R and B and pop. Uh, uh, I've in a previous episode I interviewed um, a, a young manager uh, who represents Eric Bellinger in the R and B mm -hmm. uh, category, and he also at represent their firm also represent athletes as well. Um, and in another music cool. manager, she represents. Uh, a Vietnamese American artist named Tui, who is gaining a tremendous amount of <laughs> I yeah. know of them. <laughs> so that that particular group is quite interesting because they, um, uh, to your point of not necessarily carrying the culture on their back, but it's like I'm I'm here for more doing the music that I love. But the representation side of showing that you can be uh, that I can show my Vietnamese side by uh, for her incorporating her name. Um, not changing her name to an Amer a Western name. She's, mm -hmm. she says she, keeping her name as Twee was um, one way of representing the culture. Another one would be um, just even talking openly about being identified as a Vietnamese American um, artist. That was another way for her to, to tap into that. And then just earlier this year, she did a remix with uh, a very popular Vietnam based pop star and that, um, uh, and to her, one of her, her her title singles from her album and that that particular uh, remix did exceptionally well it helped the vietnamese pop artists gain some um, market awareness in the western market and it did wonders for her in the vietnam for twee in the vietnam market 
So um, yeah, I bet. that was that was a really cool project. And um, and to top it all off, her her best friend slash her also her manager is Vietnamese American. So it was um, they always will incorporate our represent to the fullest. Um, but at the first and foremost is making sure they create amazing music. And then if the community supports that, then they're, um, they're, they're for it. That's awesome. I love that. I love to see just, you know, also just women in music killing it. And women in, actually, that's, another, <laughs> that's a huge thing for them too. They participate yeah. in, uh, I think last year they participate in billboard and, um, uh, women in, uh, the women in music, uh, platform, um, that happened here in Los Angeles. So they're mm -hmm. very um, about uh, women power and, and so forth. For sure, let's go. <laughs> and then, then to kind of lead to the, the, my next question is, um, what to you, uh, what does being Vietnamese mean to you? Ooh, being Vietnamese just means I, I am proud to be Vietnamese. I speak Vietnamese. I identify as Vietnamese. I eat Vietnamese food. Uh, have not been to Vietnam, but that is that is on the list, and it uh, will happen soon, I'm sure. But yeah, I think being Vietnamese is just embracing that part of your identity and not being ashamed of it, and being vocal and proud about it. Awesome. Well, I definitely when you you cross into that journey um, into uh, um, heading over there for um, um, to to visit, it's it's a it's a, I would say it's a life changing experience, especially as American born Vietnamese, because um, never in your life will you be in a country where everyone is the same um, and speaks the language, uh, and you, it, it's uh, it, it's it's quite a um, a surreal experience. And I've I've been back actually over twelve times. Um, and every, wow. every trip, um, means something differently to me. Every trip I grow a deeper, um, understanding and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a, it, it's quite a personal, uh, a personal journey. Yeah. I would love to experience that one day. Just like you said, being surrounded by people who speak and talk the same like you is just crazy in itself because I only have that at home. <laughs> so I guess just, um, just quick, a couple of last questions is. In five years, do um, where do we see Julie in five years? Do we see her um, uh, expand more in the artist management world, or do you have any other um, any other uh, goals that you want to achieve? Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to continue on this path of working closely with artists and finding like interesting ways for them to connect with their audiences and build new fan bases. There's so many like unique opportunities popping up on different platforms on social media and streaming and with AI now that you're, you know, that's just so accessible. So I'm sure there's going to be a ton of new spaces to tap into and find places for our artists to build their, you know, careers that way. And that's definitely one goal of mine. And another one of my goals is just to get more involved in, you know, the music behind the scenes with, you know, organizations about, women in music and Asians in music. And if there is such a community as Vietnamese music industry professionals to help grow that as well, like that, that'd be amazing. It's funny. You said that I'm, uh, I'm initiating that. <laughs> um, there, there I is, will join. Uh, <laughs> there's quite a bit, um, uh, that I, I'll definitely expand on that with you. Um, yeah. And, I'd love to. um, lastly, um, just, just so I know what, cause there's, I would say Vietnamese food has definitely gained, especially when it comes to Asian cuisine, has gained so much more uh, visibility and awareness. It's no longer kind of like foreign or, 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 or rare. Um, mm -hmm. Being Vietnamese, right? So what is your favorite Vietnamese food and why? Ooh, I love... I know there's so many things. I mean, immediately my mind goes to just my aunt's home cooking. Anything she makes is my favorite. But if I have to pick, I would say bung rio, crab noodle okay. soup, um, is my favorite. It just, it's super comforting for me. You know, it's a warm noodle soup. It's savory and also tangy. And the crab meat that is in it, like the ground meatball, I guess, uh, is just, it's delicious. <laughs> and being from texas uh anything you miss from the food scene from texas 
not Vietnamese food in Texas. <laughs> I think it's improved a lot. I'm pretty sure, but yeah. But I mean, when you live so close to like Orange County and Garden Grove and Bolsa, like that doesn't compare. So the only food scene I miss in Texas is my aunt's house because she makes the best Vietnamese food. <laughs> now, speaking of Orange County, how often do you come down to uh, Little Saigon? And is it is it the only reason you come down here is to uh, um, for the foodie scene? Well, actually, my parents and my sister live in Tustin, and okay. every one to two weeks, I come down, pick up my parents, we go to Little Saigon and have lunch and take them to the grocery store, so I'm there a lot. <laughs> Got it. Awesome. Well, I mean, that's pretty much wraps up our, our conversation. I really um, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. We've uh, touched on a lot of cool things, um, and I guess just trying to think of any lasting um, thoughts or comments you want to share to our to our listeners here at VQ. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. It's been great talking to you as well and learning more about Vietnamese music and culture. I'm definitely going to be looking up all the artists and things that you talked about. But yeah, I uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for having me. I have so well, be ready for it because I have so much music to share with you. <laughs> My <laughs> I feel like my life work has been um, uh, has been finding all these different uh, artists from all parts of the world, and I've learned so much. And, often, and I share it through whether it's my podcast. I have a playlist that um, that I, I popularize in terms of uh, uh, regions. I organize them by regions and genres, and I have my own version of New Music Friday, which I called. Fresh Friday with the um, incorporating pho. <laughs> and that actually, that, that concept okay. actually took off. It, it was my, uh, it was a silly gimmick, but it ended up, um, that's how people, that's how people find, um, or they tune into my playlist to find what's happening in all things related to uh, the Vietnamese music space. So um, I kept, I just kept running with it. That's cool. Yeah. I would love to, you know, check out all of these things. So if you can send me over an email, that'd be great. I sure will. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And um, we will definitely be seeing you at one of these um, music professional events that we'll be hosting in the near future.